Hello, you're listening to Don't Listen to This, a podcast all about thousand one albums you should listen to before you die, or allegedly should. I'm your host, Ewan Gledo. I'm a writer of many, many months, kind of, I guess a couple of years. Uh, I write for Cult Following, Clapper, Geek Show, I've appeared on podcasts, uh, Death by Adaptation and Pop Screen, as well as writing for Daily Star and a couple of other places. You might know me as the guy who ate an entire pizza in the memory of the Queen. Um, it was disgusting. Um, or the guy that's just done Venice Film Festival and cried during the whale. Um, if you don't know me, hello. Um, I like music. I don't know if you can see the thousand one hours behind me or the vinyls behind me as well. You'll probably not be able to see those in future episodes when I'm split screened and cut across with um, another guest because a lot of guests are on the cards for this podcast, which I hope is going to look into the thousand and one albums to listen to before you die and the ones that have been removed because the definitive album is on there. That's undeniable and it's behind me. You can see it. It's a different class by Pulp, the nineteen ninety five classic. There is no better album than it. I will stand by that. There is no better album than Different Class by Pulp. That's it. That's that's the line I'm going with. That's my hypothesis and my to expand on my hypothesis, I don't think any of the albums in this book are going to be better than Different Class by Pulp. I've listened to about a couple hundred albums from the book so far, and I got to about the 80s, and I thought, this isn't very good, and I needed to talk to someone else about it, but as it turns out, if you want to talk about a thousand and one albums with someone, you're going to have to have quite a lot of spare time, which I do, um, and I'm sure a lot of the guests along with me will also give me that time. Um, There's a very set routine to how we need to break these down. This is not a project we can just dive into. We need to set the overall routine of how we get through these things, of how we assess an album's quality, about how we assess even if it should be on the list or not, because there are some albums on here that don't need to be, and there are some albums not on there that need to be. But to do that, we do indeed have to set some ground rules. Um, We've got to think about the impact of the album. We've got to think about the legacy. We've got to think about the quality. We've got to think about the production. We've got to think about who it's influenced and why it's influenced. And we've got to think about all these variables. Or do we? Do we really need to think about all that? Because I don't think we do need to that much. I don't think Oasis should be on the list, but I'm sure I'll find someone to disagree with me. And that's the beauty of music, is that eventually we will find the definitive 1001 albums. This book is huge. Robert Dimery and a collection of journalists did a smashing job putting together what they think, what they think is the best 1001 albums to listen to before you die. Um, their later remissions are rather puzzling. I don't know why Richard Hawley's Cole's Corner was removed in the face of CeeLo Green is the Soul Machine. We're going to find out though, we're going to find out all these little strange decisions as I chart a little journey through the entire thing. It's quite big. You can see I kind of got a little ways through. Um, what did I actually get up to is a very good question, and I got up to... I suppose that's actually not a bad place to, to end it, would be um, just off the end of the 1980s. So essentially anything before the 1980s I've listened to in this book. This is the, I want to say like 2011 or so edition. It's been updated since then, so I'm behind forever, forever behind. And it's impossible to catch up, which makes this all the more interesting because music comes out so frequently and so often that it's kind of hard to listen to it all. It's impossible. That is also why you need other people to talk to about this. And in doing so, I've managed to 
wrangle a set list of very interesting people to talk about this with and that is the the idea to start a discussion to start engaging with other people about music and essentially getting them onto the side of different classes the best album ever made because it is um but to do that we do need to hear from other people what are their favorites what what do they actually like uh, because they they could have a better favorite than i do which i doubt but it's possible and we've got to give other people the time of day so I'm going to stop talking for a minute. I'm going to let you hear what other people think is the best album of all time. My favorite album is Hunky Dory by David Bowie. My favorite album is the Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. My favorite album is Joy as an Act of Resistance by Idols. Close to the Edge by Yes. In Absentia by Porcupine Tree. My favourite album is Discovery by Daft Punk. My favourite album is Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. My favourite album is Abbey Road by The Beatles. My favourite album is Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. A lot of, uh, lot of albums there that, you know, yeah. Abbey Road, I suppose. Fine. Uh, Back to Black. Great. Not sure about the others. Not really. But I'm sure we'll get to those because some of them are on the list and some of them rightly aren't. To understand why I think Different Class is the best album of all time, and I'm sure a lot of people at home listening to this are thinking, why? Why that album in particular? Um, well, let me read you the insert from this book because the book is huge, but a lot of people have written better than I can and about the album more articulately than someone blinded by nostalgia for a for an album that released when they weren't born. Um, but this is what they said in the book. This is their words, not mine. Um, the mid-1980s seemed a promising time for British art and fashion. The pop music of the time heralded this new cool Britannia, as it was unfortunately dubbed, and the enthusiastic reinvention of the UK's glorious pop past, particularly the music of key 60s artists such as the Beatles, the Kings and the Small Faces, sent ripples throughout the international music scene. At Britpop's height, a popularity war raged between Kinksy and Blur and Beatlesy Oasis, but most saw the champions as being pulp with their fifth album, Different Class. Frontman Jarvis Cocker compared this feeling of exuberance to a revolution taking place for the working class, possessing a unique gift for storytelling and a grandly theatrical style. Cocker's attention to details that other songwriters missed or avoided brought his characters to vibrant life. Pulp's off-kilter take on pop swept the generation off its feet and turned the songs into anthems. Witness the immortal, immortal spiky common people. There's nothing ironic about the anger in Cocker's delivery here or the school day memories revisited in the glitz of Disco 2000. I Spy is an arrestingly dark vignette of voyeurism, while Sorted Freeze and Whiz is a sharply observed snapshot of the less glamorous flip side of rave culture. The album's title came to Cocker like an epiphany in a club he frequented. Hence the statement on the rear of the cover, we don't want no trouble, we just want the right to be different, that's all. Written with a superior level of style and intelligence, different class briefly elevated pulp above all of their Britpop peers. Now, that's a big statement to make about an album from the 1990s, but it is true. It has a superior level of style and intelligence, and it does sound quite big-headed and eucatistical to mention that or say it at all. But it is true. 
that cannot be denied, it cannot be argued. It it has a sense of style and it has a sense of place that elevates it above the likes of Oasis or Blur or even Suede um, because of its commentary on and about ideas that at the time were very pertinent, very popular, but never sung about because people would shy away from them for the sense of commercial viability. What Cocker and company do on different class is unique. It hasn't been done with again since. It's not been done by anybody else as good as that. There are the likes of, I don't know if you can see Yard Act behind me. Yard Act are probably up there with their social commentary, a bit more on the nose than Pulp would be and a bit less glamorous, but it is something of the times to compare it to. Pulp are always going to be the peak, though. They are always going to be the top echelon. And it's always going to be a particularly special album for me um, beyond its critical or commercial qualities. It is an album stuffed with fun memories, um, new and old. Some of them great, some of them not so. But that's that's music. Music is a sense of placement in a period of your life, and to associate it with good or bad memories is is quite beautiful. Um, for me, different class has a lot of memories associated with it, and I do think, admittedly, that does blind me to talking about it. It it does sort of, you know, balance it in its favour, shall we say? But that's that's music. We're all going to have our unique favourites because we all believe that one thing is better than the other. And for me, it is different class, because not only was it the first vinyl I ever bought, which, I mean, my collection's not the greatest, but to be fair, I do have a Jerry Rafferty and Dua Lipa on the shelf at the moment that I'm listening to, which aren't behind me, they're over there, because quite the eclectic taste, I must admit. Jerry Rafferty mixed in with Dua Lipa is quite, um, makes for fun listening to City to City, backed up by Good in Bed, it's, it's rather remarkable. Um... But different class was what kickstarted it all. I went into HMV, I bought myself a vinyl player, and before you knew, I had different class on vinyl, and then I had rumors and the best of David Bowie, and then his and hers, and then you just spiral and you buy more and you actively seek out music. And it's how I got my start as a music and film journalist is sort of seeking out odd little things. I don't know if you can see behind me, but I've just got a lot of stuff. And that stuff is sort of a collection of things that I want to learn more about or sort of write about. And it wouldn't have started if it weren't for different class, which is remarkable. I remember one of the first things I wrote when I started university. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my chair. Uh, one of the first things I started talking about when I was at university was music. And one of the first albums I ever reviewed was different class. And I'm sure that review's out there somewhere. It's probably not very good, but it is out there. It might be on Northern Lights. Um... But beyond it being the first vinyl I ever bought, it impacted a lot of how I approach music, of how, how I react to it, or how I listen to it. And um, I suppose one of the best examples of that is there was a nightclub in Sunderland. It still is there, but I've not been in a long time, called Independent. And there was a DJ upstairs called Aram, and he would always, without fail, whenever I requested it, which was every Friday at about half 11 to 12 o'clock, uh, I would request Disco 2000 because it's a remarkable song and it's a great song for a club. Now, I'm sure the many people I went to indie with at various stages disagree, but for about four and a half minutes, I knew I was enjoying myself. Um, I think at the time I didn't listen to much music, so to hear something that I knew was quite special. Didn't know Sam Fender at the time, didn't know Circle Waves, didn't know Two Door Cinema Club, stuff like that, stuff that, you know, is quite popular and in places that are going to play independent music from the mid to late 2000s as well as a couple of 90s tracks so it was quite special to hear a song that i knew but as well as that one that i'd requested and it felt like a part of a community it felt like a communal experience there was more than one person enjoying this and it made me feel 
good to share that experience and that's probably why i started doing a bit of radio work um big up spark sunderland um for about a year and a half i hosted a show called common people which i can imagine you've guessed where the influence of that name came from but it was a, a Britpop show that would run from saturday at 12 p.m to 1 p.m and it was a lot of fun um i really enjoyed doing it but a lot of that had Britpop influence on it. I would play Blur or play Suede, Elastic Happy Mondays, Pulp, obviously. Um, but then as I learned more about music, because I've never been very good with learning about new things, especially not music, but I'm a very slow crawler. But it was at the time of that, which I'd say it was late 2019, was when I started hearing about Talking Heads or Genesis. And it's like, they, they're really popular and obvious names, but for someone like me to actually just find it out on my own rather than having it thrown at me is it's it's a unique process where you get to learn more about music without having anybody say you should listen to this because there's always a stigma when someone says you should listen to this um there's always a stigma when someone says you should listen to this because then you are expecting something really good from a person that you probably trust and if it's not good then you can't say it's not good you can't do that which is why don't listen to this don't I'm not here to make recommendations. I'm not here to give you something that you should go and listen to. At the same time, you should go and listen to Don't Be Different Class because it's the best album ever made. Um, no, but don't listen to this because my opinion's about as useless as the rest of people. Um, music criticism is a strange, strange place where I get to write about songs that people don't particularly need my opinion on. But having said that, here I am. That's... That's it. That's life. Here I am talking about music for a living. Um, I don't particularly value my own opinion, but I feel like I'm I'm good at instigating conversation around things that didn't really need to be spoken about, such as Different Class being the best ever album. Um, and I suppose to understand a little more about why I think that, apart from it being such a big part of my life, is to look at the actual qualifications it has. Now, I've made a couple notes like a really couple amount of notes like two three lines beyond that i'm going to do this from memory um for those that know me they know my memory's not good um but we do like a challenge don't we um the impact of the album i mean over a million copies sold it was a mercury prize winner which you know you can say a lot about the mercury prize that's a whole other avenue to go down there's a lot to be said about the mercury prize and the winners of it but more importantly, those that are nominated and lose. Um, we don't know who won it this year at the time of recording. It's the 15th of the 9th. Uh, the show was cancelled. And it was likely going to be Sam Fender. I could be very wrong, but it feels like he's made the most, the biggest splash. So commiserations to Wet Leg and Yardak, but he made great music. It's just not big enough. Which is a shame, but you know, maybe we'll see them in this book one day. Maybe not, because the book gets a lot of it wrong. Anyway, it's different class. It's one of the few albums I can think of that actively tries and succeeds in capturing working class values, good and bad. And it's from the very opening notes of Misshapes. That is a song for the outcasts. It's a song for the rebellious. It's the song for the people that aren't listening to Oasis and Burr, that aren't caught up in the, the battle of the Britpop gang. Where at the same time, from a contemporary perspective of now, it still applies that those attitudes are still there because people still wear Stone Island and listen to the Stone Roses and drink strong low dark fruits in the front of nightclubs. Some people don't. I don't think I do anymore. Um, I wear brown shirts, so 
who knows um <laughs> what does that even mean um th- th- there is an expectation for albums in this book to have some form of cultural impact and i've always wondered what pulps was i think it's just an album that appeals to outsiders it's it's an album that doesn't particularly have a broad focus other than its working class mentalities which it succeeds in accomplishing but it goes beyond that it, it at the very least good music will always connect with someone because it is good regardless of its message or its quality or its source material the at the very baseline different classes of good album because it is musically good that's the gist of it it's it's a well worked album and for 12 tracks it's delightful it's really really fun it's a sexually charged album with working class wars right in the core of it a nice few acoustics, a generic love song that turned out to be one of the best songs they ever wrote. It's a nice eclectic mix of a lot of different varieties. And in understanding that, you've got to understand what was around at the time, essentially, which was Oasis with some inspiring lyrics. Um, what was it? Walking down the hall faster than a cannonball, Noel Gallagher once wrote, um, which is special, special writing. And Blur with Country House, which is just, you know, an excuse to make the game mouse chase. Is it rat hunt or mouse chase? The the one where you catch the mice in the cage. Anyways, it was an excuse for them to build the set of a of a of a board game that was sold in Smiths. And as far as Suede goes, Suede were just a bit you know, I love Suede. I think Suede are phenomenal and it's why I bought their album just so I could get pre sale tickets to see them. But Suede were a bit weird at the time, as in the more wider audience wasn't going to appeal to them you know they're not going to dive into coming up and think wow one album and they should because it's it's possibly one of the best albums ever made just behind pulp um but brett anderson is a genius of a lyricist he just didn't cater to the working class analogies that pulp so often did and i suppose the best examples of that are in the, the tracks themselves you know common people's the obvious one it's it's this is the part where i wish i'd made notes because there's 12 tracks on this album and all of them are delightful little concoctions of love and working class wars and just a a general cultural substance to them that isn't found on a lot of other albums from the period and for those listening at home those pauses are from me taking a swig of orange zero fizz um, I'm not going quiet and contemplating things. I'm, I've not the brain power to do that at quarter to ten at night. For those watching, you know I'm taking a drink. For those listening, not so much. But I am having a drink, if that's okay. Um, I have also lost my train of thought now, though. Uh, the impact of the work, the, the lyrics and the, the actual feel of the album. It's, it's a hopeful one. It's a spirited one. It's all, it feels like a call to arms at certain points. You know, you've got the, the chorus of common people, you know, rent a flat above a shop, cut your hair and get a job, smoke some flags, flags smoke some flags and take place in pool. It, it feels like a call to arms. It feels like something that is possible and something that you can do. And it's, you know, what I'm currently trying to do with moving out because this is, I need to box all this up and get going and save it for a mortgage. It all feels very real and very scary and it's terrifying, but there is some solace in knowing that that is what is expected. And it's what Pulp talk about so well, is that this is kind of what you've got to do um, if you want to not just fit in, but to excel and move on and keep going. Because a lot of the songs on this album are kind of a club variety, shall we say. It's going to be played in the nightclub. 
it's going to talk of clubbing and the experiences of it, like Disco 2000, which is a beautiful song. But I'm sure um, a lot of people listening to this that know me from when I went to independent, especially Jason, who very nicely appeared on a couple episodes after this one, mainly because th- this is the fourth episode of recording, it's also the first, but we don't let details like that bother us. Um, Jason will know very well about my um, dance routine to common people, eh, not eh, common people, Disco 2000. He'll know that very well, as will uh, Jenny and Harry. Um, I've got good dance moves, I'm pretty good at dancing. Just that song, particularly. And I think there was something about that song in particular that, again, to link it back to the sort of emotional perspective we have of music, where it connects us to something or an event, it's special. It's unique. It's to me. It's unique to me because that's my memory. That's that's what I will always associate that song with, is me clutching a vodka cork in one hand, doing something with my arm like that, trying to enjoy my night there are always going to be certain songs that are very special and will always move me a little bit. And that's one of them. That, that'll always be one of them. And I think it elevates the album for me personally. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to have the same love I do for Disco 2000 because it's so unique a song for me. Um, it, it, it's at a place where I found myself in a perspective of, I found what I wanted to do with my life. And I found out what I was trying to do was the right path and that's a big experience it's a hugely touching moment to realize that and to realize that was such a good song in the background kind of ends up associating the song with that you know there are other songs that have done the same you know richard hawley's tonight's the street or hours or elvis costello pump it up Th- those are songs that will stay with me for a variety of reasons bad and good um but nonetheless will stick with me because that's what music does and with with Pulp's different class, I get that feeling for almost all the songs. I still remember playing Something Change before I went on a night out and got very drunk. Um, very, very drunk. Had to be carried home drunk. Um, but I still remember at about half nine sinking Strongbow Dark Streets because the taxi was there to take us the two minutes that it would have taken to walk in the town, but it was there and it was ready to go. So with that song, it's just kind of special. And I know I'm rambling about my feelings about an album but if we can't talk about the feelings we have on an album then what's the point in talking about the album itself i always thought bar italia was a beautiful album closer and it wasn't until i actually went to italy to cover the film festival that i actually listened to it again because i thought oh well bar italia bar italy there you go and i don't know there's something nice about associating that song with a different place because I was born in the northeast. I live in the northeast. I'm trying to get out of the northeast. I will probably die in the northeast, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try and get out. Um, at the same time as that, though, it's you know, I Spy is such a magnificent song, but I have nothing to connect myself to that with. It's just a very good song. Um, it's one of those tracks that is at the same time very enjoyable, but also bleak. It's a ridiculously sad song that conveys this message of you know extramarital affairs and rumming it into the face of the the spouse that's being cheated on you know he's hoping that he walks in on them and it's it's a really dark track but that is what pulp excelled at and i think it's what i enjoy most about their work is that it's quite seedy it's quite disgusting it's it's the same especially this is hardcore which is also on the list but we're not going to talk about too much here 
but the the same sort of style of it. This is hardcore. It's quite a CD B movie appeal. Different class has remnants of that lying under it because it's you know for all the songs about love that it has, it it has quite a lot of hate to it too, quite a lot of bitterness, quite a lot of anger even, and it really lends itself to what came after with the music that followed. Um, if you take a look at tracks like obviously Common People's the big one, but even something like Pencil Skirt or Underwear, that sexualized narrative, that sort of burst of real sexual encounter energy and talking about it so bluntly and so poetically well. Um, I've made this comment a couple of times on other podcast experience, but I do truly believe Jarvis Cocker is one of the greatest lyricists to have lived. He's one of the few artists, not just in literature, but in music and film and essentially any art form that can actually talk about sex without sounding a bit odd or a bit broken or a bit blunt. Joe Abercrombie, who wrote The Blade Itself and the books that followed, is probably the worst example of how to write about sex in art. But it's nice to see that there are two sides of that spectrum where Cocker is incredibly good at it. He's incredibly gifted at it. Um, if anybody's doubtful of that, listen to Ping Glove or Sheffield Sex City. And then you've got Joe Abercrombie, which makes it sound just ridiculously bad, essentially, just unbelievably poor. And it's rather envious that Cocker managed to do that for several albums. He was essentially writing about caricatures. He was writing about oxymorons. He was writing about, you know, brief flutters of, of love that sort of petered out for the other person, but for the lyricist, there's still long going on. And there is a, there's a real sad beauty to that. And it underlies a lot of different class and it's really touching at the right parts. And it's, if you've lived it, you've lived it. If you haven't, you can still think about it. And that that's probably the great success of different classes that even the working class wars, even the sexual tensions, even the longing to be somewhere else, even if you haven't experienced it, you can understand it and you can understand it because the lyrics are so good because the playing is so good. It can't be understated how good of a drummer Nick Banks is. It can't be understated how great of a keyboardist Candida Doyle is. It can't be really perceived how great an accompaniment Russell Senior has with his violin. And it's a shame that it was the last album he did with the band. But his influence is, is felt. They're all felt, you know. Mark Webber and Steve Mackey need a special mention. Richard Hawley is too. They're an incredible bunch. It's it's really rather rare that you get such an experienced bunch together. And I'm all from Sheffield, which is, you know, great. It lends itself to that working class narrative that comes so frequently with different class, but also especially intro the gift recordings, which they did in 91, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but it was essentially after the fire records. And now I'm just exposing myself for the pulp historian I am by just delving into stuff that we're not going to talk about any further. But it is difficult to talk about Pulp without talking about all their work. Um, one of the great things about their work is how different it really is. You know, their last album was produced by Scott Walker. The album before it was a perverse attempt to remove himself from a, a label of genre music that just one album before that had been their biggest success. And before that even, it was a synth note heavy beauty piece that was produced by the same guy that did all of Swede's records. It's a real eclectic mix that ties them, not just to the history of the music that came from the time, but the music that followed it. And I suppose that's a good time to sort of branch off into talking about the legacy. Because it is a 
big one and it took me a while to sort of figure that out i remember talking to my friend joe about this it's really what is the impact pulp has had what is the impact not of pulp itself but the genre of Britpop? what is it that Britpop has influenced and i couldn't think of any good examples because you really you've got oasis that have influenced the likes of kasabian which is you know kind of like not good i can't even think of an analogy to put that down with it, it's just not good um but then you think a little more you think about the image that Britpop is associated with, the Union Jack, the sort of say no to grunge mentality, the um, the real pride that came from British music at the time, which I am convinced we are seeing again this year with the likes of Sam Fender, Wet Leg, Yard Act. We, we are seeing that again, even in smaller artists like Pixie, who hopefully gets the rise and rise. Um, but we're seeing that at a real grassroots fundamental level. We've got small bands that are coming through and charging through, and it's such a a real pleasure to, to open my inbox some days and see the amount of great music that's in there. You know, I'll open it now while I talk about the legacy of different class because I firmly believe if it weren't for Pulp, if it weren't for Blur, if it weren't for Suede, if it weren't for Oasis, Elastica, Happy Mondays, and the banner that they were associated with, but particularly Pulp, we wouldn't have Radiohead, we wouldn't have the Spice Girls, we wouldn't have Robbie Williams, we wouldn't have Coldplay. And say what you want about those artists, good or bad, you know, radio head overrated, Spice Girls quite good, etc. You cannot deny that they are huge fundamentals of music now. You know, Radiohead are probably one of the biggest bands on online discourse. It's like Radiohead, Kanye West and the Dark Knight Rises. Those are the big three. It can't be denied how big they are, but to understand why they're big, it's you gotta trace it back. You got to trace it back to what Pulp did, what Suede did, what Blur did in kicking out grunge and making sure that the foundation for listening to and engaging with British music wasn't there, was permanent. And that's what we're seeing now. And I don't know what sparked it. I really have no idea. But you've got the national pride of, well, not even national, local pride, really. If you think about Sam Fender and the sort of boom of people buying Newcastle United t-shirts, that's not a coincidence. That's because of Sam Fender and because of the music he's making. It's not just good. It's not just good music. It's great music. But it's also something that's colloquial. It's something that can be associated with a period and a place. And that's what Pulp did. They've made music that was a period of Sheffield and a place of working class wars. They have associated their music with Sheffield for so long as a working class town, as a place of real strive and struggle and strife. And have made it nuclear, they've made it international, you know, they're, they're touring, you know, South America and Europe with songs that are specific to Sheffield. And it's a credit to them as lyricists, it's a credit to them as musicians, that they have managed to make something so local, so big. And that's what we're seeing with Sam Fender now, who tracks like Get You Down are so personal, so intimate, but are so connectable, they're so relatable and experienced that they feel almost beautiful on a different level to what is currently out there and that's why i feel for pulp i feel like it's on the next level to oasis to blur and suede not just because just quality wise it's better if the production design is perfect the, the instrumentals are astounding there's a lack of reliance on guitar solos and such classics as that that the 80s was so fun fond of you know you think of rush and acdc and uh the other ones kiss the ones with the oh, kiss you think of those and the, the sort of reliance on heavy metal and thrashy music and a lot of guitars and the movement away from that was a blessing. It 
it's a blessing in disguise because guitar don't get me wrong there are some truly beautiful guitar souls out there the likes of hendrix clapton brilliant here but there's only so much you can take of that there's only so much you can think well brian may has done it again every song is a little treat it becomes the norm and to remove the norm entirely which was the essential guitar solo brings new life to music it brings new life to british music in particular with pulp their lack of highlighting their lack of saying well here's a guitar solo there's nothing like that there's nothing apart from something changed to bridge the chorus into the final verse that's not really a guitar solo though because there's other instruments around it that are really just kind of echoing off of it and the guitar is just a couple standard notes on an acoustic guitar it's nothing special but it feels special because of what came before it and what it bridges into it's a solo used as a bridge to the the rest of the narrative rather than as something to distract from poor lyrics as queen often did we'll get into that in another episode though i'm sure um but like i said british music at the moment feels like it's coming back as having a rebound um you know fine night elements for instance you know that that's who i listened to recently it's it was a pleasure to listen to that track and they're local and it's that sam fender feeling of being proud of the area and being proud of the music it's producing because the northeast currently is having some incredible incredible hits the ones i can think of at the moment pale white roxy music the the guys i've just mentioned there it's stunningly good and who knows how it'll turn out for them but at the same time who knew how it was going to turn out for the bands of the 1990s that ended up influencing such a huge period of music it's also rather telling that pulp can't really be penciled as oasis and blur were blur were the kinks of the 1990s oasis were the the beatles of the 1990s as much as they wanted to cover i am the walrus it was not happening that label has stuck for the wrong reasons rather than the right reasons of tribute rather than riff pulp are harder to pencil in and it's after reading good pop bad pop by jarvis cocker that you kind of get a feel for what they were going for which is essentially the four meets elvis costello more in attitude than style because although the fall were a very energetic band that sort of challenged what the audience were expecting and elvis costello was a magnet for just incredible music pulp don't sound like either of them they sound more particular they sound more unique they sound more sexually charged they sound more perverse in periods of the working class mentality and that's what sets them out as unique and to see their influences of pop music from the 1970s is rather remarkable and it makes sense that they ended up influencing pop musicians that follow i'm pretty sure it was coldplay that said they were influenced by brit pop as a genre i could be wrong because i am very caffeinated and tired and haven't made any notes but i'm sure someone will just comment otherwise i imagine the bob dylan fans always do but it was russell senior that said essentially after five albums pulp released their apex they hit the high and in the time it took pulp to do that it took the same amount of time for the beatles to get together release all their albums and disband pulp were a real slow burner and i still think they're burning a little brightly too in the sense that especially with different class coming up on its 25th year anniversary more people are now going to think you know they might have had a couple more good ideas than we let on because as much as this is hardcore is a beautiful single 
it's worth diving a little deeper. And I do think one of the big reasons I wanted to do this podcast and talk to people about music is to dive that little bit deeper into music because it's all well and good saying, oh, well, I did listen to Abbey Road. Yes, I did. And I did listen to London Calling. And I did listen to whatever people say I am. That's what I'm not. It's all well and good saying that. But it's it's talking about it, sort of understanding why little elements of the music have been made, why little bits and pieces have been added or removed. There's something special about that, and there's something really interesting about it, and there's something I really want to do. So I'm going to do it, and I suppose I'll have to just power on through a lot of albums. None of them will be better than Different Class, though. That I can guarantee. Usually I'll be asking a guest if there's a replacement album, um, if the album isn't particularly good, or if, if there's something better by the artist or the period that we can replace it with. Because at the end of the day, this 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 really weird project of mine hopefully by the end of it we have the definitive thousand and one albums hopefully we've got the real works because as much as it's good to see two pulp albums on here it's not too good to see one marianne faithful album as much as it's great to see you know frank sinatra albums on here it's rather telling that there's nothing else by suede apart from their debut there are bits and pieces that are missing. There are there are moments that are lacking. There are things that just don't make sense for it to be excluded. And even now, you know, I, I don't know if it's because people think Sam Fender released 17 going under this year, even though it was last year, but no mention of it on the 1001 albums when it's probably one of the best albums of the 20th, 20, 20th century, 21st century. It's probably one of the best albums of this year, of this decade, of, this, of my generation especially. Because as much as I look about 42, I am only 22 at the time of recording. I'm getting on a bit, though. I'll probably be in my 30s by the time I finish this. It'll be nice to look at this face and think, wow, he's still got his hair. I don't know for how much longer, though. It's, you know, it's pretty strong. But this is a nightmare for people listening. Just me figuring out if my hair's going to fall out. I hope it doesn't, because that's really all I've got, as a lot of people have said to me in the past. Um... Speaking of all I've got, that's all I've got to say on different class. I'm sure I'll be back. I know I'll be back because I've already recorded the second episode, which is a, a nice little chat about Abbey Road by the Beatles, which um, I'm sure we can all agree is one of their albums 